What's up, guys? I just wrapped my interview with the founder of VizMe, and I have to tell you, it was pretty freaking awesome. We dove very deep into his SEO strategy that has driven more than 25 million users and does three to four million site visits a month purely on the back of SEO. So if you have ever invested in SEO or have thought about investing in search engine optimization, strongly recommend sticking around. We talk a lot about VizMe, his main business now, which is a Canva competitor, if you're familiar with Canva, but they've been around longer, I believe, around the same time. But then towards the end of the episode, we also talk about a new product that he's launching and how he plans to use that playbook for his new product. So definitely stick around till the end. And as always, if you like this, please hit subscribe and send this to one friend. Pay it forward. Have a good day. Hope you enjoy. Marketing is about values. Nike didn't call me and sell me this in a catalog. I bought this swoosh because it's ingrained in my soul. When you have a product that really resonates with with customers, the word of mouth uh, grows like wildfire. Welcome to the Marketing Max Show. Now, let's dive in. All right, all right. I'm super excited to have the founder and CEO of VizMe on the podcast today on the Marketing Max Show. Welcome, Payman Tai. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. My pleasure. I know we've been chatting back and forth over email for a while. I'm really happy that we have this opportunity to connect. I think everyone in the design space either knows exactly what VizMe is or has no idea what you guys are. Uh, everyone that I ask about you guys, they say, oh my God, I know them, I love them, or who's that? So uh, why don't you start by giving us a background on where the company is today, what the product is, and like how many users, how many employees, like where it is today, and then we'll maybe do a, a, a time jump back into you know how it all started. But where are we at today? So in general, as far as uh, VizMe, just uh, real quickly that this whole thing spun out of a web agency back in the day, you know, fast forward, this was like in the late 2000s, so I was running a web agency and in 2012, 13, you know, this was like a very small experiment to basically solve two, two problems that I had and my clients had. And one of them for me was using multiple tools with different workflows and so on to accomplish one task. Like let's say I want to create an animation for a website, I would have to use three or four different software from, you know, the vector graphics to the bitmaps and then animated and then like embedded or added to a site. So anyway, VizMe was actually spun out initially as a tool for, you know, designers that wanted to create animated content. But very soon we pivoted to really be for non-design professionals. And, uh, you know, fast forward today, we have about, I guess, about short of 25 million registered users. Um, we have about 800,000 to a million monthly active users. Um, we've been actually bootstrapped all along the way. And our tool is used by some of the leading sports teams to Fortune 500 companies. And then basically everyday non-design professionals that work at different um, small, medium-sized businesses and brands. And they use us because... We are more business focused. We are not the only design or presentation platform out there, but we are much more focused towards empowering them to create content that is specific for the brand. So there are some great tools out there and we sit between, let's say the simple and the powerful. There are some great tools that allow you to create, you know, very quickly get in and create quick designs and graphics and presentations or slide decks. And then you have, like, let's say, Adobe on the other side that is like the 
the Goliath when it comes to like professionals, design professionals and so on, and Figma to create those. And we literally marry and bridge the gap between the two. So we give you kind of the best of both worlds, the simplicity and also a certain level of power so you can create more interactive content, more design, um, you know, content that stands over some of the other brands and maybe using some of the other platforms and tools out there. Very, very, very cool. I mean, 25 million users, that's crazy, completely bootstrapped. Since this is a, a marketing show or business entrepreneurship marketing show, I guess I want to start with, if you were to make a pie chart of where your user acquisition came from for those 25 million users, without giving too many secret sauces or details away, like where has the majority of that growth been? In the design and creative space, a lot of it comes from organic. And second to that is referrals. You know, people that use a tool and tell others about it, or they, let's say, they publish and create a design or a presentation and they send a link and then, you know, and they notice that, you know, it's creative with, let's say, our platform. So, but uh, primarily has, you know, we started with search and we still focus a lot on organic and so on. But uh, that is our, still continues to be one of our largest. And then second to that, of course, is just, you know, our product-led growth. You know, social probably plays a small aspect as more for more brand awareness versus, let's say, direct user acquisition. I think that's probably how it is for most brands as um, B2B or B2C products out there, B2B products. Very cool. So for this pie chart of how you got your 25 million users to date, we have a good mix of organic, just word of mouth. We have SEO and search. Do you guys do any paid ads on search or pretty much all SEO? We do a little bit, but it accounts for a very small fraction of our debt. I think most brands at this point know that paid ads is not very scalable. And at some point you reach a certain saturation where you know you try to scale out to go to more broader terms and so on. And then you end up increasing your, your cost per acquisition. So for us, we've reached a certain medium that we're happy with, but it accounts for a very small percentage of our uh, user acquisition. Got it. I've heard that from a lot of other entrepreneurs who are growing and scaling. They say at some point, you know, there's only so many people Googling the keywords that are converting well for us. And so it's not nearly as scalable as some of the other channels. Obviously, SEO, there's a million keywords to just raise the overall traffic and the amount of volume that Google's generating. But we got word of mouth, we got SEO, a little bit of PPC, we got product-led growth. Maybe bring us back to like day 90 or day 100. You know, you, you just launched the product. I think you said you, you kind of pivoted early on. What was the maybe first real hack or nugget that you guys introduced on a product-led growth perspective that drove you know, a significantly higher amount of customers per week or per month than you were getting before? Was it one invite thing or pop-up? <laughs> yeah, for us, not to make this podcast boring, but essentially there really was no secret sauce for us where like we did one thing and suddenly we had. I mean, there's a few little milestones here and there. You know, we um, ended up getting it very early on. I mean, very early on, you know, if you got, let's say, on some top presentation platform directory, you know, posed from some popular business or um, let's say Fortune or Forbes or some of those, you know, sites early on when you get those, I mean, you, you get tens of paid conversions and makes a difference. Like, wow, you know, as a product was getting more popular, we got picked up on some of these best XYZ tools and so on that covered us and we ended up 
getting some traction from a paid aspect. From a traffic perspective, I think in the space that we are in, although that's not really our target audience, students and teachers and educators, I mean, they love to do infographics and try different design tools and so on. We've always attracted a lot of users in that space, although they account for very little revenue for us. They did, you know, serve as a voice where that, you know, end up getting some of the traffic and some of the word uh, out there. So that I would say was another item that was, we never went after it, kind of just happened as your tool, you know, becomes popular. It's used in classes and schools and so on to create, um, you know, the free version to create content. So that was another one. But, you know, for us, there's never really been anything that has been some, we did this hack and it just doubled or tripled our user growth. There's really been none of that. It's just been a lot of the basics has always worked the best for us. Um, You know, focus on, you know, improving your product, improving your product. It's not like we've never done one thing and suddenly things just went dramatic. It's a lot of little details here and that over time that improves the product, quality templates and features that allows people to get to an endpoint faster. So that's kind of from a product perspective. And the other side has just been consistent, you know, focus on our website and content marketing or blog, creating resources, free educational material which they all take a lot of time and resources, and over time, they pay dividends. If you like what you're hearing, please take a quick second to hit that share button and text it to a friend, post it in a Slack channel, or share it on any of your favorite social platforms. It takes us hours to make this show, but only a few seconds for you to share it with your community. Thanks, let's get back to the show. When I speak to a lot of different entrepreneurs and founders, they say there isn't one big thing that 2x or 3x, but I always like to ask the question, because I found in my career, there's always, like you said, milestones along the way, where it was like, oh, if we didn't do that, it wouldn't have gotten us to this level. We probably would have gotten there anyways, but it helped us accelerate that even faster. What percent of your customers today are those big enterprise companies that you're talking about, like sports teams or, or big companies versus you know, the small mom and pops are maybe signing up for one account. I think it's what, like 10 or 20 bucks a month to get an account. Yeah, still to this day, because we drive a mass amount of traffic, we drive, I don't know, three and a half, four million visitors a month to our website and blog. Um, you can imagine that, you know, you can type in graph maker, timeline maker, presentation software, documents, and just all sorts of terms about all types of different designs, lesson plans, and all sorts of stuff. So it drives all types of traffic to us. And so from a perspective of, you know, five years ago, four and a half, five years ago, it was like no enterprise and no team plans. You know, today it accounts for probably about a third of our user base, but still the majority, vast majority are the single users that are just come in for that project to create something, you know, and reach a, you know, happy moment from there. So uh, they still account for most of our user base, but we do have a growing number of enterprise and teams, teams being few users or plus, as we focus more on some of the productivity features of Visme, workflow features and so on, that really, for some brands, it has improved their cost cutting in terms of the time it takes to create beautiful designs and content that's on brand that they're happy with. You know, um, there's case studies that numbers going as far as 78%, 80% in those in, in terms of design or even productivity or time costs. So... I loved when you gave examples of the keywords 
or search terms that you guys are are trying to rank for and that I'm sure you you rank pretty highly for if you're driving millions of visitors a month from organic search, you talk a lot about templates. Bring us back to day one of your SEO initiative. Is this something that day one you knew, like from your SEO initiative of day one, you knew that this was going to be big and so you wanted to hire a full-time person and build out an SEO team? Was your first interaction in SEO hiring an agency? Like, How did you think about your foray into SEO and how does that differ from your current SEO strategy and team and kind of investment even today? Yeah, I'll put it this way. <laughs> SEO is such a, it requires so much patience and you have to do it right for such a long period of time. And I think most people almost come, even I wasn't very patient, you know, I'm like, why? Well, we, we spent all this time all writing all this content and these writers and just creating these graphics and then we have to get out there and like bring awareness to that content and so on this seems just ridiculous because you know we put it up it's been a month and you know it's crickets like not much has happened we got oh great we got 100 visitors coming to it and like two registrations what's going on it takes time and a lot of patience and you have to just kind of keep at it but it also becomes kind of evergreen content so you do it long enough you do a great job at it it starts to add up over time. So that's kind of one thing about it is that most people, most companies don't have patience. In terms of agencies, very early on, I think we hired an agency or a couple of consultants, but honestly, I just don't believe that's the way to go. It's nothing against agents. I used to run one. You're basically paying 3X the cost of hiring someone in-house to do it because they have margins they have to do. So you also are just another client however special they make you feel, they have other clients to take care of. And often, you know, people come and go at those agencies. And often there may just been this limited amount of experience in that. They don't know your product like the back of their hands. So maybe for creating strategies or content strategies, a certain part with you working very closely with them, because you know your product, you know your audience best, that's helpful. But really to scale and to you know, take it that it's got to be done in-house. That's what I believe. It's the hard way. <laughs> it's easy to just go hire an agency or sign a contract and retainer 5, 10K a month and so on. But it's only going to give you a fraction of what you really need. So maybe they're good to kind of, if you have no idea about content marketing, SEO and so on, you know, hire a good agency to kind of learn the ways and establish the content and the content briefs and the areas that you want to focus on. But then eventually, I think you really got to bring it in-house and focus on that. So I imagine you guys have a full-time team of what, five, 10 people in-house that are just focused on SEO that are content writers and backlink outreach people just working on SEO. We have a, I would say it's probably larger than that. Yeah, it's probably over 10 to 20 almost, but it's the structure is pretty interesting. We don't hire a lot of full-time writers in-house. We do have, have it, but we found that when it comes to writing certain individuals, are really good at certain categories of content or certain types of content to write. And they're not great at other areas. So their specialty is something, you know, so someone great at writing design, somebody else might be great at like writing some B2B topics. So it's nothing wrong with, you know, hiring good freelance writers and so on, but under the guidance of our content marketing uh, team and so on. I don't necessarily like to use the word backlink building and so on. It's has such a bad rap and, and we, like to use the term that we would like to raise awareness about the content or build mentions on it. But a lot of the content organically gains traction by itself. I mean, we've 
written and been at this for so long that we have a fairly high DA domain, you know, authority and so on that we built. But, you know, we do a lot of internal linking, you know, we have templates and I don't know, let's say Visme Forms, we're creating Visme Forms, we're going to be creating templates and we're going to interlink between that content and so on. So that's part of that. And I think a fraction of it is where basically you do have to get out there and build some mentions, not necessarily for an ask without backlinks, but you write a great topic, you want to get out there and find related topics and blogs and so on and just say, hey, we wrote this article and just thought it might be worth looking at if you like it maybe you know you decide to mention to your audience or link to it that kind of level is what we like to focus on it's the hard way to do it um, not the easy way but it's the right way to do it i find a lot of my twitter followers and even podcast listeners and and just people i speak with everyone's looking for that silver bullet but the more and more i get on the phone with other entrepreneurs there is no silver bullet it's just finding something that works really well and doubling down on it SEO is something you guys have spent, I'm sure, you know, six figures, if not seven figures on over the last 10, 15 years. Are you worried at all about how AI is going to change your ability to rank or even your overall search volume and, and your SERPs at all? Is that something you're thinking about? I'm always worried about everything. <laughs> yeah, it's being a CEO. <laughs> so I'm a little bit less worried now than I was six months or nine months ago. Because when the whole OpenAI chat GPT came out and it and Google was making changes and so on, it seemed like there's gonna be this huge, drastic, immediate change and so on. And again, I hope that I'm right versus wrong, but it seems to be gradual. Um, there certainly has been changes and adjustments that Google is making and constantly experimenting. And in some areas we've seen some drops or changes, but we've been able to adapt and we're making subtle adjustments to better adhere to that so you know what remains to be seen six months a year from now i really don't know but certainly yeah it is a concern but i don't think search is just going to go away tomorrow it's not going to be that way but there very likely will be changes i don't think anybody really knows to what degree i would agree i think google's not going to do away with their entire business overnight Everyone's like, oh, they're going to pick the one or two things that are ranking first and then promote that at the tippy tippy top. And then everyone else, all the other rankings are going to be gone and no one's going to see it. You know, Google is a hundred billion dollar a year plus ad business, because when you Google things like Visme, you know, three or four competitors show up up top. So they're not in the business of cannibalizing their own business, their own ad business. So I tend to agree with you. Yeah, drastic measures are going to actually negatively impact them. So I think they're being very, very careful about it. When it comes to hiring freelance writers, though, you said you have some that do it full-time in-house and others that you hire freelance out. Do you have any uh, secret sources or recommendations on where someone who's trying to speed up their SEO velocity or, or improve their SEO game can find really good writers? Uh, and do you have any things in place that check if they're using AI or not? Yeah, we certainly do have things that we check for um, AI. So that is something we certainly uh, do and check on. It's also pretty obvious when something is AI related, <laughs> really by So I will uh, openly say is that our team does use AI from the writing perspective just to kind of get ideas or briefs or, you know, certain brainstorming ideas in. But then from there on, it's a lot of writing. Uh, that they go uh, into. So as far as um, finding writers, I mean, we get on our website, if you go to it, I mean, it says we're hiring and we always have certain positions and roles open. 
and writing positions, we always keep that open. So we get a lot of applicants coming through our site directly. So we get a lot of applicants and we'll review and decide who will be worth. But the other thing also is that the writers know other writers. And so we've got an you know, aspect of doing that. But I will say this, it's when you're writing content at kind of the level that we're writing, the expectations are high. So we go through multiple writers before we find one that we really feel that, uh, you know, that is. So we'll pay them even for writing assignment and so on, or try an article. But often it ends up being a one-time project and then we go to the next. But amongst those, you find some good writers, consistent, they're on time, they deliver. And, you know, and uh, so the good thing about it is that with writing kind of things, you can always test, pay them, pay them for the work they do for a post or two, see what you like, and then, you know, move on if they're not the right thing. Yeah, I have been hiring a good amount of SEO writers for my new project, agencyreviews.io. And it's wild to see the difference. If you really take the time to sit down and compare two writers, like output, what two different writers wrote with the exact same brief or even keyword that you just say, hey, can you write a blog article that's a thousand words for this particular keyword? It's wild to see the difference between the two, the different approaches they take. But also to your point, it's pretty easy to find the parts of it that are AI written if they're just literally using ChatGPT or any sort of like AI writer that's a wrapper over ChatGPT or anything else. But at the end of the day, Google cares about what's the most valuable to the people that are searching for Google. It has to be good quality content that is valuable, even if AI is writing it. That's what I found and what I've heard from a lot of SEO insiders. So, yeah, I mean, to, 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 there's um, it's not so much like more is more more is better. I mean, yeah, you have to write a certain amount of content, but you know, if that was the case where, you know, whoever goes out there and just gets hundreds of posts a month out there based on just AI written and just puts it out there and expecting that you're going to get, you're going to double, triple your traffic and so on. That's not the game we're in. Uh, we write, like to write quality content. It takes days to write these things. I mean, they're time consuming and it's also a hit and miss. You know, we, not every post and every content we write is a win. Actually, most of them are not, you know, and, but once in a while, you hit the jackpot that works really well for you. And then you kind of double down on other topics that probably work as well. Yeah, 100%. So you guys get a lot of traffic from SEO. You do a little bit of paid. You probably do some partnerships. Is there one channel in marketing where you've always kind of been enamored by? You're always like, you know, if we could crack this or our competitors are really good at this particular growth channel, like we've never really spent any time or energy or money trying to perfect that. Is there any channel that you're really eager to try or have always thought about trying or it's something that's kind of like, ooh, you know, it'd be really cool if we could get that cranking for us? Or is it just kind of keep doing what you're doing and this has worked so far? Yeah, I mean, look, it's um, it's always been about, hey, let's get out there and just put all sorts of ads on YouTube and social and so on and get some mass awareness and so on. But look, we're a bootstrap operation. It's not like we're going to put a million dollars a month on ads. You know, so we've experimented in the thousands or tens of thousands, you know, of dollars and so on. But the thing about search, I mean, we've built a lot of attribution. So we know exactly what content comes and what type of audience, who they are, who converts better. And we've built over years a lot of data and so on. So we use that data to learn, you know, from and do things. But in general, you know, yeah, we, we you know, from ads, we're like, hey, I mean, Everybody else, is, this is early on. Everybody's doing Google Ads. Great, let's double down on it, you know, and just double down and see what happens. Doubling your ad budget um, does not mean you're going to double your cost per acquisition. I'm sorry, you're going to double your 
acquisition, essentially. It's almost indirectly proportional, sadly, <laughs> as to what it is. It's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the opposite. It's like, you know, the bond market, you know, like two years ago, and, and it is an inverse relationship. So that's that. We, I thought, affiliates, we tried affiliates and so on. Let's go after and just go double down on affiliates. So true. But to be honest, there's so much, we found so much spam, so much abuse, and we still have an affiliate and partner program and so on. But we have to be very careful because it's very easy. Amazing. People go put ads up on the word Visme and they pay for it to go against our traffic and their affiliates. We catch them very quickly, but it's just the um, trouble that some, and I'm saying all affiliates are bad, certain affiliates go through just to milk, you know, to get that commission is amazing. Like they need to build their own business. <laughs> <laughs> we had a client at the agency and they were a SaaS company and we managed their Google ads and we got their CAC down to a very, very, very profitable number. But one particular cohort of keywords or one cluster of keywords that we were bidding on, like overnight quadrupled in cost. And we were like, hey, what's going on? And we saw that the brand name was in the other ads that were bidding on it. And we were like, what's going on? Why is it costing, you know, it used to cost $3 for this keyword per click. Now it's like 10, like it's crazy. Like what's going on? And it took them three weeks to find that one of the affiliates was bidding on that keyword because it was like one of the highest converting keywords. Their affiliate profit margin on that keyword compared to what they were paid out was so high. And they ended up having to kick that affiliate off the platform and no longer help them out. And so it's one, one of the things I tell brands that I work with that have affiliate programs, say from day one, if you're running Google Ads, you cannot bid on our term. What we did after that was we gave every affiliate a list of keywords that they were not allowed to bid on. Like that's that's our territory. You got to go find your own affiliates. But it's crazy how many different brands have had this struggle. Same thing. Yeah, same trouble. <laughs> same trouble. Uh, you know, at the end, guess who wins? Google. <laughs> at the end of all of these conversations, all these podcast episodes, the answer is just, how do you win? You invest more into Facebook and Google stock. That's just how you win. <laughs> that's just how you win. Yeah. <laughs> Turning gears a little bit in my research I found you co-founded or started what looks like an agency or some sort of backlink thing a couple of years ago called Respona, Respona, if I'm saying that properly. You're a bootstrapped founder, right? You have you got dozens of employees, you're doing seven figures a year in revenue. What is Respona and how do you decide to start another project or another thing without taking your eye off the ball of Visme? Yeah, so yeah, you know, and that's the thing about it is that the products that we build have been built out of a necessity. So, you know, Visme, as I mentioned, was built out of my agency to solve certain problems. And Respana was uh, one of our first marketing hires who now is actually co-founder of uh, Respana. And, um, you know, he was involved in the marketing and scaling or SEO content and outreach. And we realized that there really is no tool out there. It's very time-consuming to writing content is one thing, but then to actually get out there and raise awareness about it. You got to find out the related topics and recent topics and post who wrote it, what's their email address, what's their contact information. So you basically have to like hire a virtual assistant or data entry person. You use, you know, tools such as Ahrefs, Mod, you know, SEMrush and a few other tools, email, you know, finder tools. And then, and they're all different tools that all connect fully to each other. So Respona was basically as a way of a question in that there must be a better way to consolidate the ability for 
we use a fraction of the team that we really need to raise awareness about our content using Respondo. So it's basically, it's not a backlinking tool. It's just a tool to help you to create campaigns, email campaigns mainly. You're able to find the contacts, who wrote about this specific topic that is related to your industry, what's their contact information, such as their email, and personalize, not spam, personalize communications based on that content. And there's AI features, and it actually helps you to write that content faster and connects directly to your email. You essentially launch these campaigns to start raising awareness. And that can be for brand awareness. That can be for affiliate marketing. works wonderfully for that. And uh, in our case, uh, one of the main uses we use is to raise awareness about a lot of the blog posts and content that we write to other bloggers and so on. So that also is a bootstrap, of course, uh, product. You know, it took about three years to build it, to be an amazing tool. We were the guinea pig, Visme. A lot of bugs and issues along the way. And so now, over the last six to nine months, um, there's some of the leading brands and companies uh, that are using it like we're using it to help them to basically scale their outreach. If you like what you're hearing, please take a quick second to hit that share button and text it to a friend, post it in a Slack channel, or share it on any of your favorite social platforms. It takes us hours to make this show, but only a few seconds for you to share it with your community. Thanks. Let's get back to the show. How much of your time is spent on Respona versus Visme versus any other projects? Like, how do you think about as a serial entrepreneur where your time should be spent and how you can be moving the ball forward on all these different initiatives? Yeah, most of my time is on Visme. Majority of my time is on Visme. You know, thankfully, my co-founder and Respona, he spends the majority of time operating Respona. So it's not viable to run multiple startups at the same time and expect to get fantastic results. You can invest in other products, but you need operators. You need people that you know help that. So Visme keeps me extremely busy, especially with any product I guess uh, I'd like to talk to you about that I'm very excited about. And so um, my focus is primarily on the Visme side. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I saw on your website, I think it was uh, this new product called Visme Forms. What is Visme Forms? Where did the idea for that come about? So uh, very good question. Here's the, again, out of necessity, that's how Visme Forms was born. We drive over 4 million visitors to our website and we get our number one acquisition or priority as people sign up for a Visme account. You know, you can sign up free. Not everybody comes to a page and signs up for an account. So you have other lead magnets or lead generation areas. So you go to a blog, join our newsletter. We have multiple eBooks and courses. You go there and you know download this eBook so you can get them introduced to Visme, like, hey, download our presentation, how to become a better presenter. Download the eBook, it's free. And so I started to question after all the A-B tests that we were doing on our website, everybody does A-B tests, you know, any, any marketer knows about it. You know, you have a version and you compare you adjust the button color or a language on a page or color of something or a layout or an entire page and you test it against the live version and you would try to find areas of improvement. You know, without, you know, outside of the statistical significance, you want to find 5%, 10%, 15%, 20%, whatever percent, little improvements that over time will get more clicks, will get more signups and so on. So we do that, tons of it. And however, nobody really seems to be focusing on the end result, where when people go to actually 
enter their information. So I asked myself, there's a lot of form builders out there. We've been for years having various lead magnets, contact forms, and so on and on our website. And I started to ask and said, nobody's really re, uh, recreated forms as we know it. It's pretty much the same. I mean, they all look very similar, except some are multi-steps and some are just a long page, but they're all the same. Nothing's changed. So I wanted to find out, and we ran multiple A-B tests over the course of multiple months to find out is that, is there a way to improve the conversion and when the users go to fill out a form, is it possible to actually even further improve the conversion, right? Conversion being they submit. And so we got to work. We ran all these different A-B tests. There's actually two case studies on our blog, on our case study page on our website. And we found out after multiple tests that this combination, which is what's now Visme Forms, dramatically can increase submission rates, form um, submission rates. Not only that, it also is more memorable. So when people fill it out, they'll remember that form. So when you follow up with them. And so how is it different than other forms? It is interactive and animated. It actually has a human connection to it. So we have animated characters that you fully customize, literally from having glasses to hats or make it, you can literally make them look like yourself. And they are animated and you can adjust the pose, how they interact with the form. And it's all no code extremely simple. And we had anywhere from 40, 45% improvement in conversion rates. This is against our own traffic of 500,000 visitors on one test and over, I think, 750,000 on another test. And we tested it against mobile and a desktop. So from a lead magnet to like email collection, so we had all the way up to over 2x improvement in human submission rates as far as data. So we have started to implement that on key areas of our website. And we have multiple forms, so we're adding in now. Each month, we're adding other areas of our site, other leak magnets. And eventually, pretty much all our forms will be on Disney forms. So it's worked wonderfully well for our blogs, worked great for a couple of our ebook downloads. And so decided that this would be fantastic for other people to have. There's really nothing like it out there. It's been a huge challenge, extremely difficult from making it quick loading, because it's animated to, you know, how do you get around forms that automatically pop up to SEO impact on that. So we've worked over a year plus on addressing those. And we've been in early access for over four and a half, five months now. Thousands of users have been using it, providing feedback, and we keep improving on. And essentially comes later this year, which is around December. We're going to open it up where people can just go in and register instead of entering early access, and they can, they can start using it for themselves. And we are starting with pretty much small, short forms. And very, very soon after, you can essentially create full, custom-blown, multiple fields, combinations of forms. So that's maybe by the time this podcast comes out, some of those features will be out, if not soon after. Wow. My favorite all-time marketing tool is Unbounce. Because I believe that the majority of the optimizations that actually impact a funnel of any kind, whether it's an organic funnel, like you're talking about, you get 4 million people to the website a month, right? Or whether it's a Facebook ad funnel, the majority of the most impactful changes you can make are actually on the landing page side. So I'm super excited about this tool because I've never seen anything that allows you to customize the pop-up is really what it is and really calls out the pop-up as much as this tool does. Uh, I saw it in action and 
like it kind of blew my mind at just how fun and unique it was compared to like a typical opt-in monster. Like you said, there's a million form captures, right? On one hand, you have the survey monkeys and the type forms of the world who have raised hundreds of millions of dollars to do more like quizzes and, and long form. On the other hand, you have opt-in monster and uh, just uno is another one that a lot of e-commerce brands like my old clients use but by adding a little character a little animation to it it's wild to think that it would 2x (laughs) conversion rates but the data is the data and at the end of the day like i always say a b testing is everything and that's insane (laughs) and that's the thing you know the results i mean the the results like we ran it in different years and in every instance it has had improvement in it it will be different results for each site and so on but uh, we believe that it's not just also about the submission it's about that the user like we constantly get feedback from people that this is like really fun this is amazing it just gets your attention and you'll remember it so that's the other thing is you know you want to remember where you want your audience to remember it's a brand awareness thing you know so and they're designed first as well so these forms you can fully customize the color scheme because everything about visme is about design and uh, very soon you know, and Visme itself as a platform, as far as like what our vision is, as far as Visme. Right now, we're all about the output, short of Visme forms. It's all about, hey, design, presentation, slide deck, data visualization, infographics, documents, and then you publish it, you share it, or you download it. So you're outputting it, you're sending it out. So Visme forms is the ability for you to also, as a brand, to be able to improve and collect uh, information data from your visitors and viewers. It might be a contact form, it might be a email lead magnet, it might be an email sign-up form, might be anything. Eventually, it will be surveys as well. So, and of course, imagine that collecting that and also being able to, what you can do with that data, data later on in terms of visualizing the stats and so on. So that's some of the things we're going to work on further. So basically, VizMe is coming, you know, where we're going is for brands and businesses to be able to go from the input to the output in a complete tool set for your brand so that you basically don't have to need another form builder you know you wouldn't need another design tool and it's all by the way going to be part of the visme's existing pricing structure and so on so it's not like an add-on you have to pay so if i was going to ask like is it going to be a separate account under like vismeforms.com or like it's just all included no it's all included it's a bundle as we roll out more products and so on you know we include we have a couple different price tiers but you know it will be included in all plans and there's just certain you know, add-ons and features that come with Visme Forms that will be available in the pro plan. We just want to bring more value, you know, to Visme as a platform. Yeah, clearly you guys wouldn't spend a year or more, and I can't even imagine the dev resources it took to build out the ability to customize the glasses and the hair and all the things and the different animations if you didn't think it was going to be a huge success. Talk to us a little bit about the potential that you see specifically for Visme Forms and how you plan to grow Visme Forms. Similar to how you grew Visme with SEO and word of mouth. Obviously, you're building it on the back of the Visme accounts that are already made, the 25 million people that have created the accounts. But, you know, is it a similar playbook you plan to use with figuring out the right keywords and the right templates and everything else? We believe so. I mean, everything we've learned, we're still going to use that and hold down on it for because we believe that the same, a similar philosophy will work for forms as well. But there's additional advantages, I think, with Visme Forms on just the way the feedback and how positive and how, you know, unique people consider it versus anything else out there. You know, I believe that there's going to be a certain level of virality uh, to it. And so we're tapping to our user base to become adopt early adopters. 
And uh, we're going to focus still on content, on marketing in general, from social as well, brand awareness about the product itself. And really, I mean, we're going to see how things go over the coming months. And then what channels work the best, we'll double down on them. I think if there's one thing, you know, <laughs> that I've learned in business is you can't sit down, like make a business plan and, and then like, this is how things are going to go every step of the way. BS, you know, as everything changes. So, you know, we, we have some plans for the coming months and then based on the data and, and how it goes, we'll decide what those next steps are. Love that. Let's wrap up with one question on the future of Visme. Is the goal to create a bunch of similar products like Visme Forms, but similar products to the core function and, and needs of your existing user base and just continue to pump out products and eventually sell one day? Is this something that you want to acquire other businesses and try to become like the essential X suite of tools? Or, you know, what's the big vision here? Yeah, it, it, more towards, I think, the, the latter. But I mean, at some point, there probably eventually will be exit strategy at some point. But when the timing is right, but right now, there's just a lot of opportunity I see with Visme Forms and also a couple other things that we're working on that are going to come later next year. And these are just going to really, what we're focusing on, we've took, it's taken us all these years to create Visme as a platform. And yeah, it is unique, but there's still a lot of similarities between us and some other platforms. There's definitely things that make us unique and different, as I talked about earlier. But one of the things we're focusing on more and more is that just innovation of creating things that are just totally different than everybody else is doing. And that, I think, is where uh, we have some amazing team members. I have had ideas planned for the last year and a half of the things we're going to work on. I'm very excited about the thing about it is that we also like to do things as efficiently as possible. So even though Visme Forms is like, oh, it spent all this time building a separate tool and so on, it is part of Visme, and there are things inside of that we've done that are going to come inside the platform Visme itself as well. And uh, so everything is just going to be seamless and interconnected. That's kind of the phase two of things that we're working right now. So the plan, I don't look at it as so much numbers and revenue and number of users. I mean, those are great. At the end of the day, they matter a lot. But I like to focus on just making great product and people, you know, say that, wow, this is amazing. That's really what makes things uh, very satisfying for me. Very cool. Thank you for taking the time to share your insight and your knowledge and your experience with us. I think we'll probably end up titling this something around the SEO playbook behind 25 million users since we spent a lot of time going through your SEO strategy since that's really the name of the game for you guys. It really is word of mouth, creating an epic product, which is what every entrepreneur who comes through the Marketing Mac show says, but then really doubling down on, on the organic traffic and figuring out ways to leverage that for new products that you're going to be launching like Bizme Forms. So thank you so much. And we hope to have you on again soon. All right. Thanks very much, Max. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Max Show. It takes me and my team hours to produce it every single week, but it only takes you 15 seconds to hit that share button and text it to a friend, drop it in a Slack group, or share it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or any of your favorite social platforms. I appreciate you taking the time to check out my content. Have an awesome day. Thank you.